Hello, everyone, and welcome to the iCritic Live podcast. I am your host, Kevin T. Rodriguez, film critic of iCritic.net, and I want to thank you so much for spending a few minutes of your time here with me today. And, you know, podcasting is really, really fun. You know, I spent the last several days really setting up my podcast presence. I explained why I want to get into more podcasting, and stories like today are one of the main reasons why, because this is... An important story, I definitely have thoughts on it, but the time that it would take to set up the camera or even a live stream, you know, I'm talking about it maybe a day or two later, I don't want to do that. I want to just get into it. I want to just put my lapel mic on and press the record button and just start talking about it. And you know what? That's exactly what we're going to do because there is a troubling report that came out from TechCrunch where it was headlined that as Disney was pushing towards streaming profitability, Pixar, the animation studio behind such hits as Monsters, Inc. and Finding Nemo, and of course Toy Story, were going to be undergoing layoffs in 2024. In fact, they would be significant layoffs. Now, I'm going to read a little bit of the article right now. You can find it at TechCrunch. And uh, then I will discuss some of my thoughts on it. So, um, the article says, oh, and by the way, the person who wrote this article is Sarah Perez. You can find her at Sarah Perez TC. Always want to give credit to people who write these articles. Quote, Disney-owned animation studio Pixar is poised to undergo layoffs this year. TechCrunch has learned and the company confirmed. While sources at the company said the layoffs would be significant and as high as 20% or reductions that would see Pixar's team of 1,300 employees drop to less than 1,000 employees over the coming months. Pixar says those numbers are too high. Rather, the studio said the number of impact employees is still being determined due to factors like production schedules and staffing for future greenlit films. Now, what that last one means is that basically uh, they're still deciding which films to go forward with, which ones maybe they're going to deprioritize. So if they decide that they're going to make, say, four films in the next two years, then maybe the layoffs would probably be less. But if they decide, you know, we're going to slow down our production, we're going to release three films over the next four years, then they would increase in uh, layoffs. Now, that's an oversimplification, of course, but that's basically what's being said. So, and forgive the chime. I keep forgetting to turn off certain noises. Again, still kind of new to the podcast theme, but oh well, let's continue. The studio stressed that the layoffs are not imminent, but will take place later this year as Pixar focuses on making less content. Now, I have a personal opinion on this. Um, Some studios do this. They like to kind of stem the bleed like, hey, um, we're going to lay off some people here, then we're going to lay off people here. It's going to be like kind of a gradual thing, so that's not like a shock to the system. I personally feel this is the wrong way to do it. I believe that the better way to do it is to actually do it once. Yes, it will be a shock to the system, but you make the deepest first and only cut you need to make. Because then what you're essentially doing if you do it the other way is that employees are just kind of sitting around waiting and waiting like, ah, am I the next round? Am I the next round? But you do one round, everyone gets their pink slips, you have a really bad day at the office, and then you get back to work. So... Anyway, now, why are they going to be doing this? Um, Because Elemental was not a flop. Um, 
it didn't make a whole lot of money, but it didn't really lose any money either. Uh, there's no doubt that it probably could have done better if more people wanted to see it in theaters originally, because, you know, there's been that thing where Disney's been sending Pixar stuff straight to streaming, and that has really devalued the theatrical experience for Pixar and even Disney's own films, but that's really not a factor in this. So, um... The article does write that according to insiders, the Pixar layoffs include headcount that was hired for Disney Plus. Hires Disney pushed on Pixar to produce for its streaming division, which hasn't yet turned a profit. And by the way, we're not talking about Soul, Luca, and Turning Red. Uh, that was a Bob Chapek decision that probably cost the studio, at the very least, $800 million dollars in income uh, probably closer to 1.7 billion dollars when you get down to it they gave away 200 million dollar movies basically for free and that was a bob chapek decision now what this is when they said these people were hired for disney plus this probably falls under bob Iger's previous tenor because pixar was going to be key to producing content for disney plus did anyone watch that monsters at work show now, if you haven't, first of all, I do recommend it. It is good. This is a sequel series to Monsters, Inc. This takes place basically a day or two after the Scream Factory got shut down and uh, rebranded as a Laugh Factory. And it follows a Scream student who wanted to follow in the footsteps of um, Sully. Um, uh, he wanted to be like a top scarer like Sully was he wanted to work for Monsters, Inc., and he goes to Scare College, he just graduates, he gets to the company and finds out that they have completely shifted focus, and thus his Scare degree is useless now, and he has to go work in the administrative department and do menial tasks instead. Um, his dream's completely shattered, and now he's with a group of friends, and they're doing funny stuff at the factory. I just realized I made this sound like a really depressing show. It's not. It's actually really funny and really cute. And here's the thing. The quality of this show is impeccable. Like, it looks just like the movie. And in fact, um, Billy Crystal and John Goodman are even back as Mike and Sully. And they're in almost every episode, at least briefly. So you know that they probably had pretty good contracts. Now, this one season, I think it was eight eight episodes, maybe ten, um, you know, don't quote me on that, like, I'm doing this off the fly, and it looks like they probably spent what they would have spent for a movie, because it's just that high quality, but it was going to a streaming platform that, at the time anyway, didn't have ads, and so it was basically one of those lost leaders, like, hey, we're going to spend all this money to make content, if you will, for the brand new Disney Plus series, and there was another Pixar show that's coming out. Uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's about baseball. And it looks really good for the record. It looks really good. That also has Pixar's high standards of quality because Pixar, after the whole Buzz Lightyear of Star Command series, was basically low quality. I remember like John Lasseter basically said he never wanted Pixar's name to be something on a product that was so subpar ever again. Then, of course, he went on to direct Cars 2, but you know, whatever. And so it makes sense that Pixar, if they were going to do TV, they were going to do it the Pixar way. But these two series cost 
hundreds of millions of dollars when you combine them. And they needed to hire all these animators. And there was never a realistic way that these shows were going to make money. Maybe the baseball show that's coming out can because there is an ad tier now. And if that comes out and ends up being like a surprise hit and it gets like a second season because advertisers are happy with it. This is why advertisers are kind of a good thing for streaming because even if the numbers aren't... Well, let me put it this way. Even if that show is not bringing in new subscribers, if it's getting millions of people to watch and the advertisers like that, that might keep a show around because the original standard was, hey, when a show drops, they counted how many subscribers were added when that show dropped. If they didn't get any subscribers when that show dropped, it was canceled even if it was the number one watch show on the platform because hours of people watching those shows don't mean anything. It, it, it's a very weird model. This is why it's never been profitable. So these are the shows that these Pixar animators um, were hired to make, but these shows were never going to make money. They, they just never will. And then the fact that Bob Chapek made it worse by lighting money on fire by putting Soul, Luca, and especially Turning Red, because Turning Red, by the time that was coming out, there had been hit films in theaters. People were going back to the box office. Families were hungry for entertainment. Red could have been a half a billion dollar hit at least because it was a very good movie. And by the way, had Red Turning Red even been that successful, it might have even won the Oscar. I'm not saying it should have. Um, it, it definitely shouldn't have. I, I believe Pinocchio won the, that year. Pinocchio was definitely better. But um, they could have, you know, really left an impact. And so that was a Bob Chapek thing. But Bob Iger, who is now tasked with cleaning up both the messes he started and the messes that Bob Chapek started, and maybe even furthered along, well, now he wants to make Disney Plus profitable and so he's looking at these shows, and it's like, okay, look, we, we made these shows to pump up our streaming service, but we can't keep spending $200, $300 million on a Pixar show that looks really expensive and has all-star casting, but doesn't necessarily bring in the numbers. In fact, here's the thing you should really ask yourself. If you haven't seen Monsters at Work, do you know anyone else who has? Because it, it kind of feels like that show was so under the radar that it's like, it's crazy that they spent the kind of money that they did on it. Because as much as I liked it, and as good as it was, they spent a lot of money for not a lot of attention. People really, it feels like, did not watch the show. I didn't see any YouTube videos about it. I didn't know any friends who were talking about it. Heck, I remember telling some people, oh, I, I've been watching Monsters at Work. They're like, what's that? And all I had to do was say it was a sequel to Monsters, Inc. And they were like, oh, does it have Mike Consoli yeah, or Billy Crystal and John Goodman back? Yep. And it's like, I mean, look, if I could sell this show, I don't know why Disney and Pixar couldn't. It didn't seem like they tried because they were high off The Mandalorian doing so well. But yeah, so getting back to the situation at hand, this is the main reason why the layoffs are coming. They hired a ton of people to make these shows. But the problem was that was probably always going to be a temporary solution because Disney, as well as other streamers, have found out that, yeah, you can't just spend hundreds of millions of dollars on shows that don't bring in money. This is just not a sustainable business model. That's why streaming is starting to turn back the times of clock, uh, sorry, the hands of time. It's going to look more like cable 
And even Netflix, you know, has started to cut back on shows they produced. And a lot of these big deals that they made with creators, it's like those deals aren't coming anymore. You can't spend $250 million on two Knives Out films with Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig, especially when you don't give them a proper theatrical release. I mean, you are literally throwing money away. And so this is just the bubble bursting a little bit. And it's a shame that animators will lose their job. It is a shame that this happened. It's a shame that the executives did not properly um, predict this because, you know, they're businessmen. You would think that they would understand, like, look, yeah, there are situations like the razor and the blade situation where it's like you'll give away the razor or you'll sell the razor at a much lower cost than you would have because people are always going to need to buy blades for it. Now, the idea with that was like, well, as long as we keep making stuff, people will keep paying their subscription. It's just that becomes extremely cost-worthy. And like when you're spending more money than what those subscriptions are coming in, and you do that for so long, at some point it's like, this is insanity. Like you got to do something differently. And that's why we're seeing changes in the streaming industry. So, oops, sorry, I just kicked, I kicked the garbage can. So, <laughs> podcasting, so much fun. So, anyway, that, that's my thoughts on the whole Pixar layoff things. This is why it's happening. And, by the way, for those of you who are listening to this and thinking like, oh, well, maybe I'll just go start streaming monsters at work on a loop and so I can, you know, support the show, and maybe this doesn't have to happen. Maybe I can tell all my friends to do that. Uh, well, first of all, if you want to watch the show, that's great. Go ahead and do it. But putting it on loop, that's not going to help the situation because at the end of the day, no one is still making money on the show. The only way that Pixar might be saved an embarrassment is if, say, like 10 or 20 million people signed up for Disney+, and all of them watched Monsters at Work first like showing that you know there were people subscribing to disney plus specifically to watch monsters at work i do not think that is going to happen i don't think it was ever going to happen and so this is unfortunately just an inevitability it was going to happen it really is a shame though um you know i've lived through the dot um com bubble burst i lived through the 2008 Housing market crash. I fully suspect there's another one of those coming up soon. So these things are never fun and they always hurt. But at the end of the day, it is life. Thankfully, animation is a lucrative business and you're seeing studios like um, Paramount and especially Sony beefing up for their animation offerings to compete in the industry. So hopefully they will find jobs soon. But anyway, that is it for today's podcast. You can subscribe to iCritic Live at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, pretty much everywhere where podcasts are available. You can also read my written reviews at www.icritic.net. I would love to hear your thoughts. If there's a device you're listening to or the service has a comment section, please leave a comment. We would love to know what you think about all of this. And as always, flame responsibly. Have a good one.